That is not a technical error. That is a pastoral error. My bad. Hey, good morning, everybody. Let's pretend that never happened. Everybody got your marbles? Anybody lose your marbles? Anybody tired of corny marble jokes? All right, well, this morning, we're going to continue a conversation we began last week uh, where Donnie and Molly really began to talk to us about the importance of parents investing into the lives of your kids and the, and the dividends doing so really pays. But as a church, what I know is this, that there are some of us here who are going, yeah, I got kids at home. And there are others of us who have kids, you know, that have already gone off to college. Others of us don't have kids. And so what's our responsibility look like as a church body, all of us together, when it comes to investing in the next generation in such a way that they would know Jesus as well or better than we did? And so we're going to begin asking that question, see how that pans out. And so that, that's a big investment. That's a big ask. That's a big topic to take on. And so I just want to start this morning by praying for you, praying for our church, praying for the kids that call this place home. And um, let's just do that now, if you would. God, thank you. Thank you that you have brought people into our lives that have invested in us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a picture today of how important it is for us to invest into other people as well. God, I, I pray over the kids and the middle school students that are here right now um, being led to follow you and to trust you. Lord, I pray that you give wisdom to the adults who are pouring into them and that you would just grow up um, incredible young men and women who know you and love you. Amen. All right, so my mom always told me that she knew there was trouble coming when I would begin a conversation like this. Hey, mom, let me explain. Anybody got kids like that? So in all fairness, let me just go ahead and start like this. Guys, let me explain this way because my mom is awesome and my dad is awesome and they raised us and they were sacrificial and they were just great parents. Um, however, they weren't perfect. And so let me explain. When my brothers and I were growing up, here's, here's what we heard. You know, eventually brothers do the same thing all the time. They get mad at each other. You know, brothers, anybody got a brother you never, ever, ever got mad at? No, doesn't happen. That brother does not exist. And so when my brothers and I would get to the point where it looked like, you know, argument was going to turn into conflict, was going to turn into like a scuffle, my mom did something that I didn't realize how weird it was until later. She would come up to us and she would do this number. She got real quiet. She looked to the right. She looked to the left, just make sure nobody heard the secret. She was about to whisper in our ears, and she would say, boys, please don't fight. If you do, the police will come and take you away from me. <laughs> now, let me explain. I want to remind you, my parents are great parents. My mom is a wonderful woman. That's a little messed up, is it not? However, as messed up as it may be, it worked because I don't remember maybe more than one time ever pulling back and like just slugging my brother. I just don't remember it. And I was bigger than them, but I don't really remember them taking a swing at me either. It didn't really happen. It was crazy. It was nuts, but it was effective. And I remember we, I would go over to my friend's house. I had this best friend named Chris and him and his brother. It was like a WWF match all the time. I mean, they were pulling hair and bloody noses and throwing each other off of the, you know, it was crazy. And I remember every time they got in a fight, I started doing this number like, I got to get out of here. Police are going to come any minute and I don't want them to take me away from my mom. You know, it just, it made me neurotic. I don't like fighting. I don't like conflict because of that. And, and it wasn't until I was like in my 20s that I look back and I'm like, that's nuts. Mom was lying to me. <laughs> crazy talk. And it, as wild as it is, and as crazy as it is that I would be gullible enough to believe that, 
there's kind of a truth that's important for us to grab onto this morning. I, I hope you catch it. And the truth is this, check it out. Whispers have the power to shape a life. I mean, sometimes they shape us in goofy ways, like thinking every time I fight my brothers, I'm going to go to jail or go you know, live in another home. And sometimes it's way, way more serious than that. But here, here's what I found along the way is that oftentimes we vastly underestimate the power of a whisper. We think the things we say off the cuff or on the side don't count. Sometimes we think they don't matter or have any impact. I thought that, honestly, just so I'm not a hypocrite, on my way to church this morning as I had an 18-month-old going berserk in the back seat. Like, I whispered some things that probably weren't nice, and I just feel like I need to tell you that before we go any further. The, the real power of the statement is this. It's not that whispers have the power to shape a life, and it's the good whispers have the power to shape a life. That, that's true. The power is found in the reality that the bad ones do too. And the whispers that we speak with intentionality, those have the power to shape a life, but the, the whispers that we say and don't think about the consequences, those have the same power. See, whispers are powerful. And they've shaped your life in many ways in the same way that they have shaped my life in many ways. Whispers have the power to shape a life. And maybe you're like I am when I show up in a new place or I'm not the guy talking. I get the benefit of believing what I'm saying. Um, And you're just going, I'm not sure. You know, I got thick skin. I'm not sure that's true. So let's just look at a couple of examples. Maybe we'll call them case studies this morning. Uh, Think about this, like the tooth fairy. Consider, if you will, the tooth fairy. Now, what do we tell our kids? You know, there's this benevolent, you know, tutu-wearing weirdo that sneaks into your room at night and steals your teeth and leaves you money, and that doesn't concern us as parents whatsoever. No one calls the police. No one's asking for someone to come in and look for this creep. Like, none of that. In what other world would this kind of scenario take place and, and there not be like a thousand FBI agents swirling all around looking for this guy? But why are we not looking for the tooth-snatching, you know, creeper? Why is it not happening? Because along the way, we've begun to speak a whisper, a whisper that the winged creature is not so bad. And even though he takes our teeth when we're asleep and leaves money, it's not, you know, cause to call CSI, not a big deal. It's the power of a whisper to take a thing that would be really strange in any other scenario and leave us thinking it's something totally different. Let's try this one. Any of you guys try smoking in high school? Bunch of liars. All right, let's do this. Hey, if you're under the age of 18, close your eyes. Anyone try smoking in high school? Ah, honesty, honesty. Got it, got it. I look back, I did the same thing, made the same dumb decision. And I think about that moment in, in retrospect, and I think, why did I do that? I mean, was it because of the breath that I wanted? No, not so great. Was it the overall fragrance? No. Was it because I had nothing else to do with my money? Not really. Was it because in my generation, we weren't aware of the health consequences? No. So why? Why did generation after generation after generation pick up a habit that we know isn't great for us? Because somewhere along the way, there's this subtle whisper that that if we don't, we're missing out on something. This whisper that despite all the negative consequences, there might be something to it. And so we dive in even to our own disaster. See, whispers have the power to shape a life even in the midst of the facts. How about this one? How in the world could we as a nation ever find it conscionable that one human being could own another human being purely based on the color of their skin? 
How could we ever stomach the reality that it would be okay for one person to use one part of the room and another person to use the other part of the room, but purely based on our skin color, we certainly couldn't intermix because one color's better and one color's worse. How could we ever stomach that? But we did, didn't we? Let me tell you what, that didn't happen with one great shout in the night. There wasn't a genesis of that kind of a reality. Here's how that happened. One generation whispered a lie into the next generation who whispered a lie into the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. And while whispers have the power to shape a life, they can shape people, they can shape generations, they can shape a nation. And one of the greatest scars on our history as Americans is the fact that we stomached anything like that. What we see is the power of a whisper. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that we need to take what we speak, our voice, our whisper, the influence God has given us far more seriously than we often do, than I often do. I want to leave you with a thought that I, that I hope sinks in. I hope it kind of drives the way you think about your influence for the rest of your life. Here's the big idea this morning. My whisper has the power to shape a life. Let me say that again. My whisper, your whisper, has the power to shape a life. See, it can be incredibly freeing to acknowledge the reality that someone else's influence in my life, their whisper into my ear has led me in many ways to where I am. We can look at that and go, hey, you know what? I don't have to be bound by that anymore. Like I, I can recognize those whispers and now make different decisions. That's freeing. Or, or it can be empowering to acknowledge that others have whispered positive things in our ears and helped shape us into the men or women we've become. That's empowering because then I can go do that for someone else. But dare we not acknowledge that reality without accepting the responsibility that comes along with it? See, if your whisper in my life helps form me into who I become, then my whisper holds the exact same power. See, my whisper has the power to shape life. And there was this moment in time for me where, where that truth became so vibrant, so real. I mean, it went from like black and white to 4K for me. It was about two, three years ago. Ashley and I had moved um, in, in December 2012 to Wichita, Kansas. It was a new place for us, and our goal was to start a brand new church. And the first four, five, six months of church planning really looks like you're just lazy and don't have a job, because when you go somewhere and you don't know anyone and you're wanting to start something from nothing, your number one job is not to accomplish projects or tasks, but to meet as many people as you possibly can. And so I was like a wallflower at the local YMCA. In Wichita, they, they fundraised incredible amounts of money for the YMCA. It was every bit as nice as Lifetime Fitness, but you didn't have to mortgage your children to go there. It was that kind of deal. I mean, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were going through there every hour. And so I just hung out and met everyone I could. And one of the guys I met was a guy named Mike. You could tell Mike was a little rough on the edges. And so I asked Mike to spot me while I was working out one day. And then every time I saw him, I just asked the question, whether I needed it or not, hey, Mike, would you spot me? And we started this relationship. Mike and I were hanging out, and, and we started going to lunch once a week, and then I inevitably brought Mike with me to church. I asked him if he'd come hang out at this church once we got it started, and, and Mike loved the church. I mean, he loved hanging out and, and didn't really know the rules. Like, he, he would go to our worship guy, and he'd say, man, your band is really bad, and then fill in the blank with words you can't say, right? He didn't know any better. And one day, I asked Mike, I said, dude, tell me your story. And he said, fine, I'll tell you my story. When I was 12, my parents left me. 
They just up and left. And I went into foster care. And while I was in my first foster home, I started drinking, got arrested for underage drinking. And, and then I went to jail. And, and then I went from jail back to another foster home, but that was worse than the first. And everywhere I went, you know, th that was the story. I, I was back and forth and back and forth. And eventually in the process, I got hooked on meth. And um, I was a meth head for a long, long time. And then I had two kids and realized I really needed to change my life. And so I'm trying to get my life back together. And that, that's where I'm at. I'm going to talk about a reason to tell someone about Jesus. I start talking to Mike about Jesus. Found out that the home that he was living in, he was 20 years old. He'd been there since he was 17. The last foster home, they were great folks. Sharing Jesus with them as much as they could. And so this kind of went on for a while, grabbing lunch, working out, hanging out, being friends, and, and all of the while we're talking about Jesus. And finally, I got frustrated because our conversations, they just weren't going anywhere. And we're driving to lunch, and I, I just kind of got mad, and I said, Mike, don't you get it? I mean, you're only worth what someone would pay for you. And I was driving this old junky car, and I said, this car, people aren't going to pay a whole lot for it. And whatever they'll pay me, that's its value. Your value, when God looks at you, it's, it's the value of the Son of God. God gave his own son. God himself traded his life for yours. I mean, I can't put a price tag on that kind of value. Don't you understand that? Never forget what he said to me. Dead serious, looked me straight in the eyes. And he said, Austin, when I went to my first foster home, they told me, Mike, you're a big screw up. When I got arrested, I went to jail. The people in the jail told me I was a big screw-up. And when I got hooked on meth, they told me I was a screw-up. And when I went to the rehab place, they told me I was a screw-up. And every foster home I went to until this last one told me I was a screw-up. My whole life, I heard, Mike, you're a screw-up. Mike, you're a screw-up. Mike, you're a screw-up. That's all I've ever heard. Now listen, I want to believe what you're telling me. But I can't. I've heard it too much. If you've heard what I've heard as many times as I've heard it, you can't believe anything but that. It broke my heart. I remember driving home. I didn't even know what to tell him. What do you say? How do you fix that? See, the problem was this. Before I got to take my whisper and little by little start telling Mike about this Jesus that loved him, someone else had spoken volumes to him first. And I recognized in that moment my whisper, your whisper, and the whispers of people that would mean the worst for folks, those whispers add up and they shape our lives. Here's where this starts to really build up for me. As I look at Acts 1.8, I look at Matthew 28, as Jesus sends out his disciples and goes back and turns over the keys of the kingdom in many ways to you and I, there's this expectation that as followers of Jesus, we would leverage our voice, our influence, our whisper, so that those closest to us would know Jesus, that they would know their real value, that they would know their worth. And we don't have tons of resources to do that, but we have a whisper. And my whisper has the power to shape a life. And if you or I were to get up, like you just said, hey, I need a break, and you walked out of these doors, this is where it really comes home for me. And if you were to walk in the back right of our building, what you would find is over 100 students, 100 kids being poured into by incredible adults who love them. If you went to the other side, like back my left, your right, 
you would find a room so full of middle school students that we're having to look at like tearing down walls or adding portables because we don't know where to put them. If you came back on Sunday night and hung out with our high school students during the school year, you would find them in this room because there's not room for them anywhere else. And you want know all of these people have in common? Whispers. Sometimes from people like you, sometimes not. Whispers from every direction, every place, anywhere they can go. Whisper after whisper after whisper. Everywhere we go in this culture, we are bombarded by whispers. They're, they're bombarded by whispers on Facebook. How about whispers on Twitter? Every tweet with an opinion. How about Instagram? An entire website dedicated to pictures, mostly of ourselves. And the whisper is, are you as good as the last picture that you've seen? We see whispers in the media and in the commercials and the magazines and the books that we read. We see whispers from the people that live next door to us, the people who we know as our friends, the people we know as our enemies, the people who are educators and our teachers. Oh, and us too. Every single one of them is bombarded on every side by whispers. And here's the other piece. Sooner or later, those men and women, right now they're boys and girls, will step into a world that you and I will not live long enough to know. We can't protect them in that moment, we can't guard them, and we can't help them. But what we can do is this, in the moments that we have, in the hours at our disposal, while we still share space and time, we can whisper. So for the next few moments, what I want to do is look at just two ways that we can make our whisper count. Your whisper matter and leave a legacy into generations that we won't know. There are probably more than two things. We're just going to look at two. And so here's, here's the first statement I want you to wrestle with. My whisper early in time has the power to shape a life. My whisper early in time has the power to shape a life. Why is it that I couldn't get through to Mike? Because somewhere along the way, there was this foundation of whispers that came before me. I got there at age 20, but for the last 20 years before me, someone spoke things far, far, far from the words of Jesus, and they added up to his belief about himself. So the reality is this, that the earliest whispers, the voices that we hear first in life are the voices that end up sounding the loudest. The earliest voices are the most formative voices in our lives. They're the lies that we believe and the truths that we hold on to, right? Something unique happens between birth and the age of 18, where in that time period, we experience more cognitive, spiritual, and emotional development than at any other time in our lives, there's a reason why studies show that 80% of the people that begin a relationship with Jesus do so before the age of 18. It's those early voices that sound the loudest. Proverbs 22.6 says this, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. He kind of pits two kinds of time against each other. He says way later when they're older, there'll be a result, but way early on, if you whisper the right time, if you whisper early enough, 
You get to shape the life of someone. You get to shape the life of a child. And what's unique about what he says here, this is so cool. A lot of times I've read this verse and I think, okay, I need Jesus's path, the one path, you know, narrow road kind of thing. And that's where we need to send these kids down. And that's partially true. But what he's really getting after is this. Each one of us has been formed uniquely by God to serve him and follow him in very unique ways. And he's saying, look, if you get in early enough on this, you can watch a child's emotional intelligence grow. You can watch their nature begin to form. You get to see their talents pop up. You get to see their character develop. And when you see that, you begin to capture a picture of who God has made them to be, and you get to help shepherd them down that path. How do we do that? We get a whisper. Parents, this is why for you, there is no one more important in the development of a child because no one gets there sooner. Whether you're a birth parent, a single mom, a single dad, whether you guys are doing it together, whether you're an adoptive parent or a grandparent standing in the gap in between, even if you're fostering a parent, chances are that every voice after you will get there a little too late. No one gets there sooner than you. You're an expert. You're the one who's there seven days a week, and your whisper will add up more than any other whisper in their life, and we get the opportunity to leverage our voices so that children would know there's a God who loves them, and oh, by the way, so do we. But here's something cool. It it, kind of works against our, our instincts is this, that as a parent, Come Sunday morning, here's the nature inside of me. I've got this 18-month-old who screams about 65% of the time. And I get to church on Sunday and I want to go, here you go. See ya. I'm out of here. But what if we looked at our time invested throughout the week in the life of a child as parents, as different than just something that I'm tired of, but something that trained me to better pour into the lives of other kids? What if I saw the last six days as specialized training, like the Green Beret style investment, so that during one service, I could go make the greatest possible impact alongside of other people who are willing to serve who aren't parents? What if rather than leveraging Sunday as an opportunity to retreat, we saw it as a moment for great life change? And we began to take one hour and whisper. We're not saying don't go to church. Go to one service, serve. During another, your whisper could add up to generations of change. See, every minute we wait, someone else is speaking into the ears of these kids, so we don't have time to dilly-dally. We got to get there soon, and we got to get there early, because our whisper has the power to shape a life. Here's the second statement. Not just my whisper early in time has the power to shape a life, but here's a big one. My whisper over time has the power to shape a life. Studies say this, that for every one positive statement a student or a child hears, there are six to seven negative that they hear. That's why my whisper in the back seat to my son as we drove here while I was pulling the hair I don't have out of my head, that actually matters. I would rather be the one voice speaking good truth, God's truth into his life, than one of the other seven that would say something negative. And just to be honest, none of us get it perfect. None of us get it right all the time. You don't have to be an expert to make your whisper count. You can make that count today. See, my whisper over time is the power to shape a life. Deuteronomy, as God early on is beginning to tell his people, the Israelites, how to raise up children who know him and love him, he, he kind of gets at this idea. Check out what it says. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. 
You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children and talk about them. Check this out. When you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Then he goes, hey, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. What he essentially does is say, hey, you want to raise up kids that know me. It's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to be a mountaintop experience. It's going to take something like a whisper after whisper after whisper after whisper after whisper after whisper. See, shaping a life is not a one-time thing even though our instincts as people oftentimes is to do something once, right? We do it, check the box, and get out of the way. See, here, here's how this kind of plays out. Anybody ever been to a foreign country, somewhere where they speak a language you don't speak? I love going and watching American tourists in other countries. It's the best. Because what do we do? And I'm in there. I'm with you. We start saying, hey, can, do, you know where, do you know where the bathroom is? Nope. Don't understand you because you don't speak my language. What do we start doing? We get louder. Do you know where the bathroom is? Hey, hey, do you, know, do you know where the bathroom is? And we think the louder we get, if we just say something a little bit louder, we scream just a little bit more, surely, you know, the barriers of language will just fall down in our shouts. You want to know how to make a whisper count? Go watch a preschool teacher. You know what they do? Hey, they start whispering. Are you listening? Little by little, I've watched some of the best educators in the world. You know what they do? They don't fight for attention. They don't scream to get louder than other people are. They whisper, and the subtle message in a whisper is this. What I'm saying is important enough for you to listen to. I'll wait. See, sometimes we think we don't have what it takes. We don't have enough. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how qualified you feel. Your whisper consistently over time adds up to a message that cannot be misunderstood. Shaping a life and changing a generation takes a long-term commitment to invest and to whisper truth, God's truth, into the ears of children. Deuteronomy uses these words again and again that we should invest at home, we should whisper on the road, we should whisper when going to bed, when we're waking up, we should even provide visuals as often as possible so that the message comes through uniformly and clear. Now look, as volunteers, we can't go moving in with kids. That's a little creepy. You can't show up too early in the morning. That'll make some parents really, really, really upset. But we can do is little by little, hour by hour, week by week, year Waste a whisper. After a year, begin to whisper in the lives of children. Here's what we get, that none of the other voices, all the tweets and all the Facebook messages and the status updates and the news reports, they can't do. See, all those other messages, they're wide and varied. But when you hear for the remainder of your life that there's a Jesus who loves you, died for you, and I love you too. I love you, God loves you. I love you, God loves you. I love you, God loves you. Eventually, that message starts to come through loud and clear. It's one message said over and over and over again up against thousands of other messages that have no continuity. And where it gets really cool, see down here we got Nicole, Vince is over here. These are some of the directors of our children's ministry and youth ministry. Lance is helping out with kids in the back. They can't whisper enough on their own to make any difference whatsoever. But if I whisper, and you whisper, and you join me, and you join me, and we all jump in this thing together, that voice starts to get pretty magnified. It gets pretty loud and clear. 
We can whisper on the days when it feels good and whisper on the days when it feels bad, whisper when it sounds like it's counting and whisper when it doesn't seem to add up to anything at all. If we all whisper together, if you join in and I join in and we do this thing together, that voice loud and clear says there is a God who loves our children. See, my whisper, your whisper, our whisper together has the power to shape life. And after 15 years in ministry, 10 of it spent as a youth pastor, here's what I found. If we begin to whisper in the ears of children early enough and consistently enough over time, we eventually get to hear those moments, those just the right time moments that we pray for. Anyone who steps in and invests in the life of a student or signs up to serve, what we really do is hope and pray for the moment when they find freedom from sin, when they find a relationship with Jesus or get to leave their guilt behind or deal with their past, get rid of their baggage. We pray and beg God for those moments, but we forget at times when they come that they don't stand alone. They come on the shoulders of thousands upon thousands of whispers. And while we don't always see it in the moment, inevitably your investment and my investment, our whispers together add up to life change. And so this morning, I wanna ask you to do something bold. You need to know that for the last several weeks, there have been a team of men and women praying for you, praying for this very moment in your life. Every one of you got two marbles when you came in. And we want to just take them out, put them in your hands, feel those marbles. And in one hand, uh, just take one of those, and I want you to think about this. What would happen if you invested your whisper? If you made a decision that today, you know what, I'm going to volunteer to sign up and invest in the life of a student, invest in the life of a child. I'm going to serve in one service, and I'm going to attend another service so that someone will hear my whisper while I'm being grown up in the next service. Little by little, our whispers might outweigh the voices of others. And so here's what we want you to do. If you're saying, I'm in, this is me, I want to serve, I've got to make a difference, my voice counts. I want you to take one marble, and when the band begins to play, I want you to drop it up here as a symbol of your commitment to serve and whisper into the ears of a generation. And at some point in time during the service, we want you to do this. Up on this screen, you'll see a phone number. If you'll text that phone number and just say, I'm in, someone will follow up with you and just give you a picture of what it looks like, the different opportunities you might have to serve our kids. So as the band plays, would you come? The other marble, we want you to take that home. Put it somewhere memorable. Put it in your cup holder, put it in your office, put it in your bathroom, wherever. And every time you pass by, we want you to pick it up and think about the students who walk in and out of this church every single day and pray for them. Because your whisper has the power to shape a life. Would you come?